Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I think we're kind of going for a little bit of a trend here. We have our only second-time guest and now third-time guest back on the show, Tim Bauer from TinierTim.com. And just to give you guys a little bit of the backstory, several months ago, Tim reached out to me and said that he was enjoying the podcast and offered to be a guest. I was skeptical and asked him to first have a conversation with me so I could get to know him a little bit. I was so inspired by his story. He lost 225 pounds after struggling with his weight for his whole life, right? And he did it by switching to a whole foods-based diet. And he did it in a year, which is unreal. And his commitment and dedication is such an inspiration to me personally. And I know that so many of you have been really moved by uh, the first episode that we did together where he shared his story. So then we kind of started following each other on social media. Gotta love this day and age where you can learn so much about people so quickly. And we realized that we're both big fans of stoic philosophy, kind of the idea of turning adversity into opportunity and growing from difficulty instead of making excuses. And so we decided to do a second episode on that. So to catch up on Tim and our past conversations, check out episodes 29 and episodes 36. We had a ton of fun recording those. So many of you love them. You asked for Tim to come back. So fast forward a few weeks. I did an episode several weeks ago now where I mentioned something that I had heard from Gretchen Rubin, the idea that some of us are moderators. We're most successful when we tell ourselves that nothing is off limits and we can enjoy all things in moderation. And others of us are abstainers. Life and success is much easier when we abstain completely. After I did that episode, um, Tim shot me a note and said, you know, tell me more about this moderator abstainer stuff. And we had a couple conversations about it. And since in some ways, Tim and I represent opposite sides of the coin on this, we really wanted to put together an episode talking about just that. When does moderation make sense? And when is completely abstaining a better approach? Because this can really be the difference between success and failure for so many people. So that's what we're going to do today. And I'm so happy to have Tim back on the show. Good morning and thank you so much for coming back to Primal Potential. Good morning, Elizabeth. This is starting to feel like my second home. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to be here, and uh, you know, I, I want to say how grateful I am to so many of your listeners for reaching out to me uh, after hearing me on the show. Like I feel like uh, you have one of the greatest communities, and I'm really grateful to not only be a listener but to also be just a part of this awesome community. So thank you for having me back. Well, we're glad you're a part of it, and I will echo that because I, generally speaking, don't really love people, but and I am not a part of other people's communities by choice, but I love the Primal Potential followers. Like, I think they're super fantastic, and they love you 
too. And they love when we do episodes together. So I'm really glad that you have made time to talk about this with me. And I thought that starting out, it would be helpful maybe for both of us to share what moderation means and what that looks like for us with our weight loss. You know, I've lost over 100 pounds, you've lost over 200 pounds, and also what abstaining means to us and if there are things that we handle in each camp. Like, are there some things that you're moderate with and are there some things that you completely abstain from uh, and why you take that approach? So do you want to kind of kick it off and then I'll share how it works for me? For sure, for sure. So when I think of, of moderation, I, I definitely think of the concept of, you know, cheat meals versus cheat days. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of questions from people asking, you know, did you do cheat meals? Did you do cheat days? And I have always um, been more of an abstainer to kind of cut to that than a moderator. And so I did not have throughout my journey and even now, quote unquote, cheat meals or cheat days and what I used to say to people is I felt like I was in a place similar to an alcoholic that if I were to have a cheat meal it would turn into a cheat day and then a cheat year and then before you know it I because I literally had like a cheat 30 years basically (laughs) where I was just basically going through a cheat meal that, that just lasted my entire life from start to finish um, basically from the first Dorito I had until I woke up and I was just covered in that orange Dorito dust all over my fingers. Right. And so um, people thought I had a spray tan, but it was really just nacho cheese Dorito <laughs> dust. And so it was pretty bad for a long time. And so I felt like when I started to lose weight, I can't, I can't touch this stuff. I can't uh, effectively moderate. I feared being an alcoholic and and you know i there's this movement now even in alcoholism where and and you know you can look into this this there's this moderation movement where more and more alcoholics are getting away from the rigorous message of of alcoholics anonymous and completely abstaining into this idea that maybe i can moderate my alcohol consumption mm-hmm. and you know i'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit but when it comes to weight loss i, I see moderation as the ability to work in cheat meals versus cheat days and and not being able to. But I think ultimately, you know, uh, and we've talked about this in past shows, even the term cheat meal versus cheat day is something that I tend to avoid in my right. writing. Yeah. And that's because I think that it implies that, you know, we're married to this diet. And in either sense, I don't think we should be religious about our eating programs in such a way because that only promotes – Uh, beating ourselves up and and being too hard on ourselves. So that's the way I really see it. Are there things now that you do choose moderation with? I mean, I know sugar is something that you for years now completely abstain from in any form. But are there things that you say like, I can do this every once in a while, but I really got to watch it? So uh, yeah, there is one thing that the only thing that I really added in post weight loss is I'm a big cocktail guy. So I love craft cocktails. I actually have studied uh, cocktail making and uh, it was something that I invested a lot of time and focus into trying to learn about classic prohibition era cocktails. I love making drinks for people uh, at home and I love like going to really nice bars and, and exploring that. So, But the way that I drink, just for what it's worth, is I have a rule with myself that I will not drink like garbage 
alcohol. So, and what I mean by that is, like, I'm I'm going to Vegas this weekend, and we have bottle service at the club, and the bottle service consists of vodka and fruit juices. Like, mm-hmm. no, thank you. I'm going to pass on that. Like, vodka cranberry is not something that I am willing to like practice moderation for. Now, if they had, you know. Uh, you know, custom made, they're making Sazeracs or they're making Negronis. Like, okay, now like pour me something. I'm interested, right? Mm-hmm. I'm willing to moderate for an experience or for a delicious drink, something that is new and intriguing, but not just for like to be able to drink inside of a club. To me, that's not a good reason to to moderate, a good reason to bend my rules a little bit. So alcohol is the one thing. But even then, I never, I, or at least like rarely, rarely will drink a uh, drink with fruit juices and I will never drink a drink with sugar. I will have them make it differently or I'll avoid the sugar altogether. And just to go back to something you said, you that's something you added in post weight loss, right? Correct. I never drank throughout the entirety of my weight loss journey. And even when I started, to give you an idea, you know, you talked about my dedication. Dedication and crazy, there's like a really thin line sometimes. And I <laughs> welcome I to my life. Know, exactly. <laughs> I'm still not sure which side of the line I'm on. Right. Um, I guess it depends on which shrink I go to, but um <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So like the way I did it is I Googled like, okay, minimal impact for alcohol. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course, the paleo community is big on tequila. And you and I, of course, share a love for, for great tequila. Oh, yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, I, like I noticed like, oh, everyone says do tequila. So I used to that would be the only thing I would drink is tequila and soda water. But even today, I try to drink alcohol that I know is going to be a minimal impact right. on my ability to to train and to maintain my body composition. And I know we're probably going to get a bunch of questions about what that means. And I did an entire episode on alcohol. So definitely go back and check that out if you have questions about what it means for certain types of alcohols that impact you more than others from a fat loss perspective. We've covered that in detail in past episodes. And you bring up a great point about kind of not going for the cheap stuff. And I love that because that's something that's also been very helpful for me and something that I work with my clients on is I used to eat anything like the cheapest, grossest stuff just because it was there, right? Like grocery store cookies that really tasted more like chemicals than they did like anything sweet, but it was like there and so I ate it. And now something that I do too is if this is totally worth it, if this is a 10 out of 10 and every bite or every sip is like, oh, this is so worth it. I'm I'm in this and enjoying this versus like, I mean, it's here and I started, so I might as well finish. I'm just not going to waste it on that. So for me, that's part of how I practice moderation is I'm not going to go for the cheap stuff. Like Papa John's pizza doesn't tempt me at all because it's like garbage. But if I go to Sicily and, uh, you know, there's a pizza cart on the corner, like uh, that might be worth it, you know? Um, So for me, moderation is the idea that nothing is truly off limits and we have to to learn to enjoy things kind of in moderation, which for somebody like me with a history of binge eating and obesity can be really, really hard to do. And for a long time, I didn't know what moderation looked like. I was always in one mode or the other, like extreme restriction, crazy, ridiculous diet or like you said, the forever cheat meal of like, I eat what I want when I want because it's here and I don't have any sense of telling myself no, you know? Absolutely. Um, And abstaining to me is 
the idea that there is no such thing as moderation for this thing and I need to avoid it completely. However, I personally feel, and I'd love to know what you think, especially given your stance and your choices around sugar, I think that the idea of abstaining doesn't have to mean forever. Like when we talk about sexual abstinence, and like you said when we were talking earlier, unless you're talking about like a nun or a priest, right? If we're talking about, you know, a teenager who pledges to wait to become sexually active until they're married, it's until they're married. Like it's not forever for the rest of their lives. It's a period of abstinence. And I absolutely have had that and still have that and use it as I need it. So... I did do cheat days for probably the first 50 pounds of my weight loss. And then I realized I don't feel good. Like this doesn't feel good for me anymore. It worked for a while and then it stopped working. So then I changed course. And I find that with a lot of my clients too. For some people, it works really well. For other people, meh, not so much. Um, But abstinence for me is seasonal. So there are some things that I realized through self-honesty, like I can't have this right now. This turns into Pandora's box, slippery slope. It impacts my mindset. It's hard for me to stop. And so I abstain for that period. I've gone through abstinence with protein bars because I realized I was overusing them and overeating them. And so I stopped. I went months and months and months without a single processed food in the real heart of my weight loss. And It was because that's what I needed at that time and because I truly became a little bit addicted to the cycle of progress and I didn't want to, I kind of like counted my clean days, which is one of the really powerful things about programs like AA is they use that mental reward system of the number of days without something to kind of help them see how far they've come. And that was really helpful for me. But for now, for me, I really rotate back and forth between moderation and abstinence based on what is working for me at that time. Do you think that abstinence can be short term or is it forever? I I think abstinence can be for short term in in that practice. The way you describe it is absolutely perfect. And I was actually visiting, and I I thought, I think this quote actually pertains to, I was visiting with a good friend of mine named JT Matherly about this subject in preparation for the interview today. Now, JT is, he's on, you know, the opposite side of the abstinence train. And in fact, he's always threatening to meet me somewhere and stuff a donut down my throat because he (laughs) said that, like, you just need to, like, go back a little bit, like, and try. And so JT... It started off 450 pounds, lost all the weight, um, and and is now – he doesn't blog regularly, but his blog is Beards Over Barbells. I can show you the link if you want to include it in the notes. Yeah. And he, he made this comment about abstinence, and I got his permission to share this. And he said that I think complete abstinence in general is indicative that the underlying problem hasn't been addressed. You know, I, I love that, and here's, here's why. Because I wanted to tell you my issue – with the idea of abstinence, even though I'm admitting that this is kind of one of the tools in my toolbox that I use at different times with different things. But to me, abstaining can seem like I'm admitting or feeling or claiming that something is bigger than I am, that I don't have power over something. And I don't believe that. Like when you said, you know, if you if you had just one, it would turn into, you know, a day, a week, a year or whatever. And I think that if we have that underlying belief, belief about ourselves that it's much more likely to happen that way. And I find that I am much more in control 
when I say, yeah, I love ice cream, but like ice cream doesn't have power over me and ice cream doesn't control me. And yes, I might be setting myself up for more cravings or going down a slippery slope if I say, oh, sure, I can do this right now. But I still have control, even if I've made it slightly harder for myself. But it just, at times, abstaining is easier. And for me, it's not about a lack of control, right? But with moderation, it's super gray. Like, how much is too much and how often is too often? And either way, you can feel powerless. And so I'm always looking at which choice gives me the most power. And one thing that you had said to me when we were talking about this episode is that it's easier for you to kind of set the boundaries because it makes you have less what we've talked about before, decision fatigue. And I love that. And I want you to talk more about that because that's a big part of it for me. It's not that I don't have control over, say, protein bars, for example. I do. But I just eliminate that mental energy of like, oh, should I have another one? I mean, if I work out, I probably can. And it's really not a big deal. I mean, it's just one and I can always do this tomorrow. And so that that takes up so much energy. And I know that's been something you've experienced as well. It's definitely something that I've experienced. And and I'd love to talk about my opinion. I I definitely also want to mention that I think it's okay at some point to JT's point, to admit that your underlying problem has not been addressed. And so for that reason, abstinence may be the best choice for that time in your life, especially even people that practice moderation in like, for example, alcoholism, they oftentimes recommend that you start with, you know, uh, the equivalent of a whole 30 of alcohol and not drink even when you're planning on practicing moderation, but don't do it for 30 days Mm -hmm. to see if you do have the power over it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you and I both comment on this all the time, but we have to be real with ourselves. If we're over 100 pounds overweight, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a problem there that's not about food, right? Amen. It's not like yeah, it's time. not like we just woke up and like, oh my gosh, what did I eat last night, right? <laughs> right. Like it's not like right. that's not what happened. That okay? would be like Discovery Channel kind of crazy. <laughs> exactly, like those people on MTV. That's like, oh my gosh, I I'm didn't pregnant. know I was pregnant. Right? I didn't know I was. Pre- <laughs> that's another topic for. Can we do that on the next podcast? <laughs> Totally. No, but <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you have to admit there is something that caused you to get to that place, and so for that reason, abstinence may be the appropriate prescription, to use a medical term, for the person that has that illness, whatever it is, until you discover it and then can properly treat it. And I think to JT's point, he wants to stuff a donut down my throat because he actually believes I don't have the illness anymore and I can and I I do have power over those things. Now, I joke about Doritos, but at the end of the day, Doritos are not where my decision fatigue would struggle today. Um, And that would be because probably Doritos would make me sick, to be real. so to give you an idea, one time I cheated, quote unquote, uh, even on my alcohol rule, is I went out for St. Patrick's Day, and uh, it was uh, I was dating at this time, and and uh, I was on a second date with a girl, and I didn't know her very well. She didn't know me very well, and when I got there, it was St. Patrick's Day. She had ordered a pitcher of beer, mm-hmm. and she didn't know about my weight loss journey or or anything like that at the time. 
And, you know, she goes to pour me a glass. She says, here, have a, you know, have some beer. And I didn't want to say, no, 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 I haven't had gluten, you know, right, because right, right. she's going to look at me and be like, okay, sissy, like, right. what is going on there? <laughs> so I drank two glasses of beer. And the next day, I hated my life. Like, I hated myself. I felt just awful. I just, my head was cloudy. I had a runny nose. I felt like sinus infection symptoms. And I just hated life. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that those would not be the kind of things that would tempt me. However, sugar would probably, like, if I were to go and have some ice cream, I probably would get the craziest head rush on earth. Yeah. You know, I might be able to dance the lumbata afterwards um i would you know i would like go to one of those richard simmons classes and i would sweat to the oldies for like eight hours and then i would crash in like a sugar like dropped mess but i probably wouldn't have any illnesses like the way i did when i drank beer because beer has gluten and it's just heavy and it, it would mess with me mm -hmm. so i think that there are those things that wouldn't tempt me as much as maybe others or wouldn't – they wouldn't be things I would go back to on a recurrent way because they made me sick. Like I will never drink beer again because it makes me feel awful. I hate my life and, and frankly, I just don't enjoy beer that much so it's not a big loss for me. Well, and uh, the thing that I – the other thing I think that is an argument for abstaining even for a period – is that it allows you to know how you feel when you don't have some of these things in your life, right? Yeah. So, so many times we're so used to pumping ourselves full of sugar or processed foods and the chemicals within them and all these things that we think how we feel on any given day is just like our standard operating procedure, how our body always feels. And you can't know what the potential is for how your body feels physically, how you feel emotionally until you get that crap out of your system. And so for me, when I abstain, it actually makes it easier to embrace moderation because I'm finally able to feel how I feel when I introduce those things to my body. So I never knew that I had a sensitivity to dairy because I just ate it so dang often that I just thought that's how I felt. And so now, while sure, I really love the taste, I know how it makes me feel and it makes it less appealing and attractive. And even Gosh, with yeah. sugar, like I rarely, rarely eat that kind of stuff. It just it doesn't appeal to me. It makes me feel just like bloated and gross and not want to be near people, which, well, I don't usually want to be around people anyway. But um, I I was in San Diego, I don't know, a month or so ago, and there were like all these little shops and there was this one place that was like a cookie place. It was a place totally dedicated to cookies. It wasn't like, you know, Chips Ahoy from the, from the lobby store or whatever. And I was like really tempted by these cookies and I ended up buying two cookies and I ate one and I ate it really fast and I was like having a bad day and I felt so sick instantly. I was like, God, why did I do that? And yeah. it wasn't like beating myself up for being weak. I mean, it's a cookie, right? It's, it's not good or bad. It's just a cookie. But I felt so bad and you can't feel that if it's something you introduce to yourself on a daily basis. So that's something powerful in favor of abstaining. Like I know now how awful some things make me feel and I never knew that before. Now, do you, do you find after abstaining from something, you know you feel bad from it, you still want to go back to it 
and like you're still feeling that desire because I had this recently with Diet Coke where I went, mm. I decided, okay, this is one of the, the quote unquote vices I've held on to and I would always quote the fact that, you know, there's really nothing out there in science showing like long-term ill effects of Diet Coke. Some people say, well, it makes you crave sugar and I, I know some people go through that. I didn't have that problem so I didn't care. I, I continued to consume Diet Coke and I thought, oh, there's no reason for me not to not to not drink it. Like I just kept doing it and then I recently went like two to three weeks without having Diet Coke and I felt amazing and I, I hate that like I, I'm really mad that apparently Diet Coke does not make me feel as good as I could feel like I'm almost mad at myself for abstaining because now I know the truth right right and so like do you ever like find yourself kicking yourself for learning about like oh I wish I could go back to the life where pizza I thought made me feel good you know? I mean ignorance is bliss but I think <laughs> it's all in like what you really value and I know when I'm faced with wanting to eat something that I know makes me feel like crap I remind myself how I want to feel in the morning and we all know what it feels like to wake up in the morning and feel like oh yesterday was a mistake you know what I mean like that nasty heavy tired groggy feeling on the flip side we all know what it feels like to wake up in the morning and feel really proud of yourself and feel like oh like I feel a little bit leaner I feel a little bit tighter and that feels really good and so in the face of those things I remind myself how I want to feel in the morning yeah definitely you know? so that's really helpful to me and it's not to say that I'm perfect. I'm totally not. And that's one of the reasons that I am really drawn to you and your story is because you inspire me with your consistent abstinence. I mean, I I would love to be able to say that I went five years without any trace of sugar in my life. Like, I would love that. Not because it's like, kudos for you for being superhuman, although kudos to you for being superhuman. Um, but really because I know how amazing I would feel. You know, yeah, definitely. And and to be honest, the, the great part, and I know we talked about this in our first interview, is once you hit a certain point, you really stop craving that sugar, right? Totally. Like, but you have to muscle through that. Exactly. There There is a bit of willpower involved in that first month or, or year, you know, that you're, you're getting used to those things. But the fact is your palate changes significantly. You do not, you don't end up wanting those things the same way. Like J when I joke about JT, like meeting me in an alley to stuff a, a donut down my throat, um, I, I realize like I really I have not looked upon a donut to lust in a long time. Right. right. It's been a long time since I saw a donut that made me say, you know, oof, I want a piece of that, right? Like I don't I don't really think about donuts that way. And and I, I the one thing that still like triggers it for me is like the popcorn smell in the movie theater, right? Mm -hmm. But and I think that's not as much about the popcorn as it is that's just part of the experience. So like one thing I, I found this great quote about like somebody had talked about alcohol this way and I think that the same thing is about food and it, they said that alcohol is a mainstay of human interaction and to deny myself responsible use is to become socially handicapped or different. And I think that we come across the same thing with food, right? Because food, it, it, we could just replace the word, right? Food is a mainstay of human social interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, that is nobody can argue that like Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving if there isn't that big turkey in the middle of it. Right. Right. Um, or if you're in San Francisco, the tofurkey. Right. Or whatever you're putting <laughs> in the middle there. Right. Something's right. there that represents that 
that get together. And then to deny yourself responsible use of food is to become socially or handicapped, socially handicapped or different. Like, and is that reality in my abstaining world? Sure. Like sometimes, like when people hear it's my birthday at a restaurant, the waitress brings me out like the ice cream and like sings the ridiculous song and then they leave that ice cream behind and I sit there staring at it, you know, and now I'm weird, right? I'm right. socially handicapped or different. To be able to moderate would be to allow me to do those things, but I don't, I don't covet the ice cream like I used to. I don't, I don't have those associated emotions with food, but I'm also not religious about it. And I think that's where abstainers tend to go a little bit on the crazy train a little right. bit. Like not only, you know, I, I, I think I might've mentioned this in a previous interview with you. Like I had a Twitter exchange with somebody where there's like, they're asking, you know, ever since I went paleo, nobody wants to go out to lunch with me in my office. And it's no, it's not the fact that you went paleo. It's that you won't shut up about being paleo. <laughs> right, That's right. No and you become like to. the food police. Exactly. They yeah. feel bad eating around you. And I, I struggle with that even with my coworkers. Like I don't talk about the way I eat ever. Like I'm in, I'm honestly like very private about it. Like I don't want to talk about the fact that I've lost a lot of weight. If you don't know, you wouldn't know. Like I would never introduce that to you. But um, when I'm sitting down, once people hear about it, they almost like start to confess their dietary sins to me. Right. Like, oh, you know, like oh, they Tim, assume I'm so you're bad. judging them. Like they exactly. think that, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the reality is, I was just in a different place. And I think that for me, abstinence works. You know, what Samuel Johnson said, you know, Gretchen Rubin quotes this abstinence is as easy to me as temperance would be difficult. I abstain because it's easier for me than moderation would be. Moderation would require me to make decisions. So you mentioned that earlier. The idea of decision fatigue. If I decided I wanted to be a moderator and maybe like have the occasional sugar bomb, if I wanted to let JT fulfill his fantasy of stuffing that donut down my throat, like if I wanted to be that person, I would have to decide, okay, now when would I moderate? How would I moderate? What would, you know, how often? And then you'd be thinking about, like, when can I have it next and where am I going to do it? And, like, how much can I – like, yeah, it becomes a consuming thought. Right. I'm setting a timer in my iPhone for when my next <laughs> cheat meal is, right? right? Right. And I'm looking forward to it like a like it's this great holiday, like it's Christmas coming. Like there's a stocking under my tree and it's got that donut in it, right? Like it's a uh-huh. drug score, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it was for me when I used cheat days. Like yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday. It's only a few more days until Saturday and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have this and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And then at the end of the day, I felt like a fatted calf. Like I could barely <laughs> like get out of the car. It was yeah. just not a good feeling and it did consume more of my mental energy. Although I'll also argue that for that season, it worked for me. Um, yeah. It's not something I would choose to employ now, you know. Um, but I also think that one of the approaches that I take with moderation is the acceptance for maybe the first time in my life that I don't always need to have a treat because isn't it no longer a treat when like we have it all the time? I mean, 
we've just kind of conditioned ourselves to like want something sweet after lunch and then need something sweet after dinner. And we're always like, well, what can I have on a daily basis that won't impede my fat loss goals that's going to, you know, meet my sugar fix? Why do we feel like that's something we have to do? You know, like that in and of itself might be an argument in favor of abstaining for a little while so that you can learn moderation afterwards. Yeah, and I, I think that ultimately the number one thing that when you start a journey from obesity to health, it's not just about the physical health, it's also about the mental health. And just as I know you have your clients sit down to envision what could possibly make them fail on the way to physical health, I think that we have to ask ourselves, what would I really, if I was healthy, what would my relationship with food be like? Mm-hmm. How would I feel about it? How would I react to it? And what would be my ideal? Because we're all different, right? Like mm-hmm. we all want to be and end up in a very different position. And that's okay, right? This is not – there is no right or wrong. There's no like this is the only way everyone should eat forever. Like anyone that eats sugar is evil. Like you said earlier, a cookie is just a cookie. It's not right. – it's not the deterioration of your soul, right? Um, you mentioned your cheat days being like drug days, and I, I was trying to envision where you would tie off for Ben and Jerry's, right? Like, do you tie off at the throat or the like arm? Anyway, no, like, definitely not at the throat because you gotta have like lots of access. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. So that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation <laughs> into the like deeper, darker side of my life. I have a couple more questions for you because I know. Okay that you've got to get back to like your legit job. Um, But you are a parent and I hear from so many parents that they cannot practice moderation because there's always a kid's birthday party or there's always a holiday or there's always a this and they can't possibly parent without indulging in whatever kids are indulging in or they cannot keep their kids from this. And obviously I have my opinion on that, but what is yours? Because obviously you do this and you have two beautiful, successful, healthy young girls. So how do you navigate this? And what's your thought process for all those people who think, well, with birthday parties every Saturday and, you know, whatever, every Tuesday, I I can't possibly practice moderation. Yeah, so one one day, uh, I my my six year old is a little firecracker. Her name is Jaina, and she's incredible. She will tell you what's on her mind for better or for worse all the time. But one day she's gonna date, and I hope that her boyfriend hears this story. So Jaina's six, and she still struggles sometimes with uh, getting through the night, you know, without using the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. So I still have to have her wear these night underwear. And so my six-year-old like pees her pants in the middle of the night. I I decided that I still want to get up and go use the bathroom just because my like it. I think as a parent, if we say, "Well, my kids are doing it, and I'm around it because of my kids," that I have to do it also would be the equivalent of saying, <laughs> "Well, I should be able to pee my bed because my six-year-old still does it." Right? Like that is. If you really, oh really God. boil down that argument, <laughs> you, you think about it. That's and, and that may sound insensitive, and and I, I don't mean to be insensitive, but the reality is, is it, it, the question you have to ask yourself: Is that true? Is that really true? Yeah. That there's no other way, and and you know there's an alternative. Like I, I don't, I, I honestly see the culinary offerings at a at a six year old's birthday party <laughs> as as not okay. If you're 
if you're going to be a moderator and you are sitting down at, like for me, okay, so I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm obsessed with Mario Batali, who's on Food Network. Like I, he used to be on Iron Chef America and he would make things that I would literally consume until I just die, right? Like right. I would eat it until I think I, I would just not be alive anymore. Like, and where would you tie off for that? <laughs> exactly. I would not tie off for that. And so if you're at Mario Batali's table and he's serving his handmade pasta, okay. Like, and you came back and you're like, I had to enjoy this. This was an experience. Right. Like, like my view on alcohol. If it's a culinary experience and it's part of living, great. But I guarantee you, no one ever sits around and says, remember that great party? Yeah, the cake was off the hook. Nobody right. says that, <laughs> right? right? It's, it's the crappiest grocery store birthday cake, right? And how many times have you had it before? Like, uh, you know what it tastes like. Is it an experience? And do your kids yeah. hate you because you didn't have any? No. Yeah. No. In fact, they like it because, you know, the reality is, is my kids know that when the, that example I shared earlier, if I'm celebrating a birthday and the waitress brings out the ice cream, my kids are like score because dad's not going to eat that. Right? <laughs> right. Right. Like they're all over it. And and the reality of the situation is the kids' birthday parties aren't excuse. Now, I'll tell you where that does become a reality, though, is, is family get togethers, right? Like the mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. So when I was in when I was in real mode, like where I was like really low calorie trying to like cut a significant amount of fat, I would bring raw veggies as my side to Thanksgiving. I would still eat the turkey, mm-hmm. but I would bring my own vegetable side dish, you know, to make sure that I maintained my low calorie goal because at that point I had a very specific goal. Um, but today, like now, I know that, hey, they're going to make asparagus, you know, and maybe they're going to wrap bacon around it. And for me, that's consistent with where I am today. I can have some bacon wrapped asparagus. It's slightly higher calorie than my raw vegetable. It is also slightly more delicious. And by slightly, I mean a lot. <laughs> right, and so, say. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that I can eat. So I, I think that, you know, you just have to know where you're at, know your goals, and be able to eat consistent with them in such a way that you don't ruin your your goals or your experience. Well, and the other thing I think is, you know, what I hear a lot of times is, well, I went to this thing and the only choices were like pizza and chicken fingers, or I went to this family meal and all they had was like stuffing and whatever. And my my personal approach there, because I've been in those situations too, where there just is nothing that would be a good choice. And for me, with my goals, which are not your goals or anybody else's goals, my goals is I don't have to eat it. Like I'm not going to die of starvation because I didn't have something in this four hour window that I'm stuck in this room with these people eating, you know, corn dogs. Like it's not what is best for my body and it's not going to kill me to eat later. I mean, no, you know, so, so that's kind of my approach. I've certainly been in those situations and I try to be prepared for them. But you can't always be prepared. But it doesn't mean that the only thing that you can fuel yourself with, and if you don't, you'll die, is, you know, mozzarella sticks or whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just doesn't – it doesn't work that way. It's so, not reality. And I'll share a perfect example. I went to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. This was like five weeks ago. You know how to and, party, don't you? Oh, gosh. This was for a child. Thank you. Um, yeah. Just kidding. It was my party. So <laughs> – 
Um, so yeah, we went to Chuck E. Cheese, and what I did is we just we left twenty minutes early. I stopped by a grocery store mm-hmm. and I grabbed some like some nice meat, and I like munched on meat on the drive down there. And then when we got there, I wasn't hungry. Right. Like I, I was fine. And so, but yeah, like you said, sometimes you don't prepare. But yeah, yeah. you don't. Have it was to... off the hook. By the way, don't be jealous. Chuck E. Cheese was amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it was. That's all you. I'll tie off with my ice cream. But kind of wrapping up into what makes either approach work, in my opinion, and of course I want to hear yours, it all comes down to whether or not you can be honest with yourself. Because I know I've fallen into the trap before during my weight loss and pre-weight loss, like heavy overeating days, where I lied to myself and I told myself I could be moderate with something, but I really wasn't. And it kind of came down to this like, well, tomorrow I'll be better or I'll just have one and nobody's looking. So the empty wrappers in the backseat of my car aren't real. Um, Or even I had this client, uh, this conversation with one of my clients. She felt like something was not an indulgence if it was prefaced with the word paleo. So a paleo brownie was like not a real thing. It was like, poof, it didn't exist, right? And because we were working on a goal of one indulgence a day. And I think that's really cool. And I have a lot of my clients do it. But it was like it didn't count if it was paleo. And a treat is a treat is a treat. And I think that if you don't have the ability to be honest with yourself about what is moderation and is this working? for me and do I have control here, then abstaining might be the better choice for you. But to me, it all comes down to can you be honest with yourself? The boundaries are going to look different. Does this one thing lead to many worse things? Is this a gateway drug for me? Is this a trigger? Is this Pandora's box? If you're not ready to get really honest, then you're not ready, you know? Um, but I think that a lot of people fail in moderation because they're being dishonest with themselves. What, what do you think about that? No, and I, as much as I hate agreeing with you. Um, I'm sure you do. <laughs> no, I, you're completely right. And, and I got to be honest, it's dishonesty that got us to the place that we start these journeys from, right? You know, we, we lied to ourselves. And, and we denial. Said it's not, yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And we said it's not that bad. It's not really, you know, it's not becoming out of control until it until it did become control. Right. One, of, uh, one of my favorite quotes is that the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. Ugh. And yeah. I think that that is something that when we look at moderation, we have to be really honest and mindful mm-hmm. of what we're putting into our bodies. And I, let me go on a rant for a second here. Do I it. think that – so I'm, I want to talk about this in light of the scale. So I feel like the scale has gotten a really bum rap in the last year. Everyone's posting Instagram pictures about how – Screw the scale. The scale doesn't tell the complete story. I hate my scale. Scale can go right to the to the horned one. And, you know, people are just like – it's like office space, that scene where they're bashing the crap out of the copy machine. That's what people are doing to the scale. Now, let me say something. Yeah, the scale doesn't tell the whole story. We all agree. We all know that's the reality. Like I – I'm literally like trying to gain two or three pounds of muscle. So the scale is not going to help me understand that story, right? Mm-hmm. Get that. Totally on board. We, we have an understanding. But the challenge is, is that people, a lot of people that I know, they hit their goals and then they say, I'm, I'm done with the scale. Me and the scale are breaking up. You know, like you actually had a relationship. The, the scale, you know, was your steady girlfriend or whatever or boyfriend, whatever. So the reality is, is when we stop being mindful 
of where we are from a fitness perspective is when a lot of us start to regain. A lot of us start to go back because we lose the mindfulness that we had when we were in active weight loss mode where we were monitoring where we at. Not in, Obviously not just from a weight perspective but also from an eating perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, when you did have that program when you were losing weight and you were allowing yourself one cheat meal a week and you hit your goal weight – what are you changing and why are you changing it? This was successful right. for you. This right. worked for you. And you need to be truly honest with yourself with where you're at and where you want to be and what health, not just physical health, but also mental health and your relationship with food as it pertains to mental health. What does that really look like? Write that down when you're in a non-emotional place, definitely in a non-hungry place, right? Because when I'm hungry, my relationship with food looks like often and heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Um but you need to be honest with yourself and really, you know, map the beginning, map the end from the beginning of your journey and really understand where you want to be. And my biggest fear is that a lot of us practice moderation that if we're really being honest with ourselves, moderation is still excess and we need to think about that. I got to tell you that like we just stopped podcasting and this became like Tim telling me what what is so valuable to me personally in my journey because that's a tough thing. It's a really tough thing and I can relate to so much of what you said and it's a trap that I myself have had to pull myself out of on a number of occasions and if you aren't looking and you aren't paying attention, you you will wake up kind of like, you know, I'm pregnant and I didn't know it and <laughs> and be like, "Oh my gosh, how did I get here?" and So thank you so much for sharing that because I think that it's so true and so valuable. And I think that whatever your accountability system is, make sure it's a legit one. Make sure you just haven't chosen something so soft that it makes you feel good about yourself at the expense of your progress. Choose something that is concrete, whether it's the scale. And I do maintain that if you can't have a healthy relationship with the scale where it doesn't send you on a bender if the number isn't what you want it to be, find a different way. You know, waist and hip circumference are are good ones too. Um, But yeah, the accountability, whether you are in a maintain phase or an attain phase, you're losing or you're maintaining or you're gaining, whatever – Accountability and honesty is really the cornerstone of success in anything, in relationships, in weight loss, in business. You just got to get honest and stay honest. And that, I think, is one of the hardest parts, looking at yourself and going, I'm not doing my part here. I am not holding myself accountable. I am talking a a game that I'm not living, that I'm not walking. Uh, And I I saw something on Facebook the other day that says, practice what you post, right? (laughs) And so many people spend so much time like, you know, posting all these like positive mantras about focus and determination and commitment and posting, you know, the clean meal that they ate, but they're not posting the picture of the, you know, large pizza that they downed at two o'clock in the morning or the six beers that they had or whatever. And that's fine. I'm not judging anybody, including myself. Um, But, you know, if you want to get the results and you want to have the transformation, then you really got to take an honest look at yourself and you got to do that on the daily. It's not something that you can just check in once a month and be like, well, you know, I'm okay. It's a daily thing, don't you think? 
Absolutely. And I, I agree completely with the idea of these motivational catfishes out there that are, are definitely living one thing online. You mentioned, you know, not being able to be, you know, truly objective about ourselves. And I, one one tip that I've given in the past is, you know, I notice for myself, and, and you probably noticed this, you know, all the listeners will probably also agree with this. When someone comes to you for advice, like relationship advice, mm-hmm. have you ever noticed how, like, you can give really effective mm-hmm. advice to other people about their relationships. You can say, oh, no, 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 you need to get rid of him, right? Right. Like, oh, yeah, you got to kick him to the curb, girl. Like, he's got to be gone, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I go into my little attitude moment, apparently, when I talk about relationship <laughs> advice. Are you, like, snapping your fingers yeah. over there? Oh, I was definitely doing some <laughs> neck moving. Um, so, you know, what happens is, you know, we can see that clearly when we are outside of it, right? When we're not emotionally involved. And I think that we need to be able to do the same thing. Like if you're still keeping a food journal, mm-hmm. look back at your food journal and be honest with yourself. Like is this what healthy looks like? I do that all the time. Like? I do yeah. that all the time. I'll look at when I was getting great results and I'll compare it to now. And like maybe I've given myself some more grace and some more leeway now than I did when I was in a strict weight loss phase. And why? Like that was working for me. My body's different now, but like why do I give myself more liberties now? And is that truly, truly the right thing for me? And I, you know, it's funny that you say that because you and I had a conversation about that. I, I came to you with a business question and you told me something that I totally knew, but I wasn't thinking it myself. And you said, you're in the maze and I'm in the helicopter. And I think that that's so powerful to step outside of our own maze for a second and take the helicopter view of... Uh, am I going in the right direction? Am I moving down the right path? How can I tweak and adjust? It's it's comes back to that honesty component. Absolutely. Completely. All right. So any final thoughts? I'm obviously going to link to your website and your amazing blog that I routinely share stuff from uh, on Primal Potential. Um, but any kind of last thoughts for people who are listening as far as moderation versus abstaining? Yeah, I'll just say that... Um, you know, before we started talking, before we went online, you know, I think that we talked about this. This is not a debate, right? There's mm-hmm. no, and I, I don't think either of us would ever say that there's only one path, right? I, I love, you know, weight loss success stories. I read them all the time. And the reality is, is you see people that take wildly different paths and yet end up at the same destination of physical health. Mm-hmm. There is not only one way to skin a cat when we're talking about how this works. And and like you always talk about, you practice elimination diets to figure out right. what makes you feel best because everyone is so wildly different. Just because abstinence works for me and moderation works for Elizabeth doesn't mean that one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Both of us are right for ourselves. And I think that it's important that you just remain honest with yourself and that you're prepared to experiment and tinker. Remember, yeah. you are the only you. You know, the only experiment that works is what works for you. Mm -hmm. Try them both. And just as long as you're honest with yourself, you're going to find the best path for you. I love it. And it's a perfect way to end this episode. Guys, head over to primalpotential.com. You can find the show notes uh, for this episode with lots of things that we talked about and links for how you can learn more about Tim's amazing story and hear our past episodes that we've done. Thank you so much, Tim, for being here. I really, really, really appreciate it. It means the world to me. I have a feeling this isn't the last time that you will be a guest on the podcast. At least I sure hope that it's not. Thank you so, so much, guys. And until next time, stay healthy.